0: Well, I am so, so grateful that you took your time to be a part of this episode today, and I am so excited to be launching a group coaching program in the month of February. You know, traditionally, I only do one-on-one private coaching with individuals, but due to the increasing demand of people wanting to learn how to love themselves, I decided to launch a group program. You can find out more information and get on the waitlist by going to jerryhenderson.org forward slash coaching. And for the listeners of this podcast and for those who follow me on Instagram, if you sign up for the waitlist this month and make your first payment, you get 50% off of your first month. So don't wait, get signed up because the spots are going to be limited. And finally, I'm super excited to be releasing a book in the month of March. The book is a collection of thoughts and poetry on self-love and healing. So if you haven't done so yet, sign up for my newsletter because that'll notify you the day that the book gets released. This episode is a continuation of a conversation with my therapist, Lisa. We discuss such topics as trauma, shame, and most importantly, how do we return to ourselves how do we return to the parts of ourselves that we've abandoned that we've exiled and in returning to the parts of ourselves we discover we are returning to the source of our healing which is our own love
1: and people think anxiety is you know this horrible thing or depression and in fact anxiety is just a way of letting you know that you're not paying attention to yourself just the way a stomach ache would let you know. You're not paying attention to yourself. There's something that you need, right? And so I think curiosity allows us to just um, examine that. Like, what is this trying to tell me as opposed to, no, 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 I don't want to have that. I can't have that. It's just a way that your psyche is signaling that you need something.
0: And so then when we resist that, so we got a signal that's coming. And when we resist it, we try to stop that. Fundamentally, are we resisting ourselves at that point?
1: Totally resisting yourself. Yeah. Absolutely resisting yourself. And the beauty of the way that we're wired is that you won't get away from that very long because you'll resist, resist, resist. And then you'll wind up either with panic attacks or depression so intense, right? That it'll, you know, paralyze you. Yeah. And so the psyche keeps giving us reminders of, Wanting us to move back towards ourselves to complete emotional cycles mm. that in trauma can't get completed. Wow. So it's all so intertwined.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, and that resistance, right? Uh, the phrase like what you resist persists. But sometimes, when we, at least I know I did before going on this journey, I, w- I thought I was resisting the anxiety. Okay. And so then I would meet that with more anxious energy or try to shove it down or distract or whatever. But it wasn't until, you know, I think maybe a year into the journey of understanding that I'm not resisting anxiety, I'm resisting myself. I'm resisting the signals that my body is lovingly, even though anxiety doesn't feel loving, (laughs) is lovingly trying to communicate to me. And so that self resistance, I think, can change the energy at how we look at things, and I think energy is such an important part of how we heal and the way that we uh, you know give energy right We don't meet the voice of an inner critic with the voice of another inner critic. We need to meet it with a different energy, a kindness, and so I'm resisting myself, and so if you're in that place and you find that you're just constantly fighting against all this stuff, you're yeah, you're fighting against yourself trying to tell yourself that there's something that needs to be paid attention to, that to me was very life-giving because I, did, I I no longer saw it as a problem that I had, I saw it as a signal to address something uh, lovingly that was being brought to my attention.
1: Right. So, yeah. And signals are not going to happen in a loving way because mm-hmm. we're not going to pay attention to them.
0: Wow, that's good.
1: We're not. I mean, you know, we don't pay attention to being thirsty until we're our tongues dry, right? Yeah. So if it's lovingly like, Hey Jerry, I love you so much, why don't you pay attention to yourself? Oh, forget it. I'm busy. I gotta go be perfect.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right? Wow. Yeah. yeah. So it
1: makes us really uncomfortable. I mean, mm. that's the beauty of the physical body and the psyche is that discomfort is actually wanting us to pay attention to ourselves.
0: Yeah, I encourage people. Go listen to that part again until it sticks, right? You get that moment where it's showing up in an uncomfortable way uh, out of love, but it, the loving way that it's coming out isn't you know, what we would equate to loving energy. It is um, being done so in a way where it is almost uh, not demanding our attention, but in some ways demanding the attention, but really doing what needs to be done to get our attention. And so in all of that, you can still see that as a Part of kindness, even that super uncomfortable, you know, I I know for me, panic attacks, depression, life is meaningless. I mean, all of that stuff to go, hey, Henderson, I'm going to make you feel so uncomfortable (laughs) lovingly until you address it or you try to escape it. And the escape route is not a fun route at all. And so. No.
1: And I, I firmly believe that it starts at a very low volume. I mean, first it's kind of like a, you know, touch on the head. Yeah. Like, hey, Lisa, you know, you might want to pay attention to that. Mm. And then if we don't listen, right, then it becomes a little bit louder and a little yeah. bit louder because it is it is a built-in mechanism yeah. to get us to survive.
0: Yeah. Hmm. And we wind up judging all those things about ourselves, and they're the very things that are trying to love us and trying to help us heal. And yeah, changing that energy is such a key part. So, wow. Yeah, Hmm.
1: starting to be, starting to see that as a, as a part of yourself that just wants to help you as opposed to make you miserable.
0: Yeah. Right, exactly. Once is inviting you into a better life, even though you see it as a worse part uh, of your life. You see it as like right. the terrible part of your life, but it is an invitation. It's a doorway. I think the universe, God, whatever person wants to call, um, or not anything. You know, maybe just your own body, but whatever it is, there's a there's enough love that's you know vibrating, harmonizing, uh, coming towards us in this world that will um, love us enough to wake us up and to bring us to the end of ourselves, and to let us see that, uh, yeah, there's some things that if we'll address are doorways towards a more beautiful life that we can live.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's about rerouting us back to us. It's asking us to be in relationship with ourselves by saying, hey, I get it. You know, what, what is it that you need? Yeah. What, you, what is it that you don't have in this moment that you need? Mm-hmm. And usually what you need is to be able to listen to yourself without judgment. Because
0: that's what you needed by your parent. Ah, wow! Now that takes me a very good transition here. Of because you know part of that is is becoming your own safe space in some way, right? Like, yes. how do I become a safe space? I remember at one point I told you on the phone that I would do meditation as a healing practice and continue to do meditation as a healing practice mm-hmm. uh, because one of the things that it does for me is it um, helps me sit with myself and then investigate what's going on underneath the uncomfortable feelings and just to be with them. Uh, But there was a point where I was, I shared this with you, that I get this sense that, like, I'm afraid of me. Um, And it didn't make sense, but it was almost like this feeling of, God, I mean, I'm uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable sitting with me, and I feel afraid of me and being with me. And not in a self-harm way, but just the like fear, dread, energy that would come up, and it felt like something about me. But one of the things, and, and it was about me learning to be my own safe place and love myself and heal myself, because there's no wonder I would be afraid of myself if I continued to beat myself up and treat myself the way that I always had. But part of that, because you had just mentioned about how the way that we wished a parent would have done that with us. You talk a little bit about that. And then I want to talk about the moment that we shared where um, I finally opened up to somebody in my first time in life about my trauma and my trauma experience and without holding back any of the details. And so, um, and you helped me get some of that out, obviously. And so, um, but yeah, how to, that with the, with the parent and wishing that they would have been that way with us. Talk to me because Sorry, I just, I never really made the connection to adult Jerry with little Jerry. And you really helped me do that. And so sitting with yourself in the way that you wish your parents would, that may be foreign to people who are listening to this.
1: Right. And so you want to know how to do that, the importance of doing that, why a person should do that?
0: All of that. Like, what is that about? Because as an adult male, I'm like, Dad had some stuff that happened to me as a kid. Or Yeah, life was real rough growing up, whatever. Um, Or I would jokingly dismiss it. Uh, And so I was minimizing my trauma. But when you started making the connection to adult Jerry with little Jerry, I didn't have any idea that that's what I still wanted from my parents. And so... For some people, that would be a real aha moment because they're thinking, I'm just trying to figure out how to do life. I have no idea that there's a connection to little Brenda or little Tommy. Uh, And so why is that so important? And what does that actually manifest in our lives?
1: It's important because if you ate crap for your entire life and you wanted to change that, right, Mm -hmm. and eat healthy, you'd have to pay attention to the fact that your body had lived on crap your whole life, right? So it sets the stage for um, you don't ever really get rid of that little part of yourself. It's a developmental phase where you're learning about who you are. And again, if the world's a safe place, right?
0: Yeah. it's that whole thought of freeing ourselves from the thought that there's something wrong with us. And it was a real aha moment for me to realize that little Jerry experienced some very painful traumatic things and shame was handed to him. And the connection with little Jerry having shame handed to him and decisions being made about himself, about the world. You know, we talk about how trauma uh causes us to make certain decisions, right? Decisions about people, decisions about life, and most importantly decisions about ourselves. And when I can't find any place else to put like blame or badness on sometimes I'm going to put that on myself. And when I'm in an environment, not intentionally, but as survival mechanisms, right? Because you helped me understand that it's a much safer decision for me to say there's something wrong with me than to say the person who's responsible for caring for me has no freaking idea how to do it and is actually uh, terrible at it and harmful. And if that's the world that I'm going to have to survive in, I'm not going to survive. So Maybe there's something that's wrong with me and now I can manage me. I can start to change me. I can start to be nice and apologize and people please and character build or whatever the heck I need to do in order to be safe. I have no control over their, uh, you know, responses. And so that, that little person who made all of those decisions, who didn't have a healthy parent, uh, understanding that connection. I just for me, it was freedom and powerful because it took away the. I was just born this way. I was just born screwed up. Uh, does that make sense?
1: Yep. No, nope. it's a. It you were not born screwed up. You you your parents um, gave you information about who you were and who you are and whether you could trust yourself or not and what your feelings were about and if the world was a safe place and they were responsible for doing that. And it's a rare parent who gets that perfectly right. And some of them get it really wrong.
0: Yeah, get it really wrong. And, get it really wrong. Yeah. And I talk with so many people about, they're like, why do I got to do this inner child work? Why do I got to talk about this? Look, Why do I have to deal with the, the I'm beyond that. That sounds strange. I don't know. Uh, Um, But I'm going to tell you, that'll change your life. That'll transform so much because, yeah, you're meeting the part. Tell me why. Tell me why it will, instead of me trying to explain it. They want to hear from you, not me.
1: Well, it's kind of what I was saying about the food thing, right? Because I I hear that a lot. Like, I don't want to talk about myself as a kid. And it's like, well, if you wanted to change your diet, your dietician should probably know that you've eaten McDonald's for 30 years, right? So it's the same type of thing. It's you know, we don't get rid of that part. That part is fundamentally who we are, and it's still needing things and wanting things. And it 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 unconsciously makes decisions for us as an adult because it's trying to get those needs met so once we can turn back towards it and actually really start to hear it and i think fu- fundamentally the most important thing we can do for that part inside of us is provide safe not safety and a lack of judgment because that's just what we want as a kid right is we just want to know that whatever happening whether it's our hamster dying or our dad drinking or you know, some kid being mad at us at school or mean to us, we just want to know that we're okay. And we want somebody to just help us navigate that situation emotionally, help us talk it through, help us feel it and know that none of that, that, yeah, how to navigate that in life. And we don't get that. And so we get, you know, you, you've you been crying and I'm going to hit you or you're crying and don't be a fag or you're crying and, you know, I'll buy you a toy. And so we grow up not knowing, just literally not knowing what to do with our emotional self. We just have no idea. Yeah,
0: that's so true. And one of the things that you said was turning back to that part of ourselves. Right. And for mm-hmm. me and the language of internal family systems, right? I had uh, exiled that part of myself because I saw that part of myself as weak. I saw that part of myself as shameful uh, because of the abuse, uh, because of the powerlessness, because I was told I was an F up, a screw up, at this or that. And so that became the representation of me at five, 10, whatever years old, you know, that whole period of, you know, and, and the stuff that I can't even remember that happened beforehand. Um, but all of that that pain and that trauma was a part of me that I wanted to bucket away because it conflicted with the personality I was trying to build. It was conflicting with the image that I was trying to build. And so part of, I think, my defense mechanisms was two things exiling and, and dismissing the work of inner child work because, crap, that means I got to go hang out with that little dude that I don't like who represents all that crap that I'm now trying to fix. And then second, right. my other strategy was minimizing it and going, oh, yeah, some stuff happened. Uh, and if I can keep it in the some stuff happened category, I don't have to look at it. And so there is uh, there's no softness in doing inner child work. It requires a tremendous amount of bravery, and I'm not even sure if that's the right terminology for it. Uh, but healing that relationship that we have with our little selves, that little person who experienced those pains uh, and that trauma, is is powerful. Uh, and so that leads me to a question: Why, why do we, um, in your experience, uh, beyond what I just said, that, that exile work that? Um, you know, where have you found the, 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 power in not minimizing and not exiling that part of ourselves?
1: Well, you're giving that part of yourself a voice that it never, it never got to have, right? You're, you're giving it what it needed at that time. You're going back and being able to say you, you matter. I mean, that's really what you're saying. If you want to get down to it, because that's really what you're saying is that you mattered then and you matter now. And I want to hear what you have to say, and I want to hear about your pain, and I want to hear about what's going on for you. And, you know, we all want to be seen. And so it's about going back and being able to see this little person who is navigating life with no compass, trying to figure out what the hell is going on with these people and what the hell is going on with this place. And you're finally turning around and sitting down and saying, you know what, you matter and I want to hear about it. It's in the vein of tell me what happened to you, which is why that's such a powerful question.
0: Yeah. It's such a powerful question. And it does finally give voice and and transforms the entire energy. Like of this piece of me that I just want to get away from to really loving, you know, I love the, I love the book uh, "No Bad Parts." Once again, Doctor Richard Schwartz, of uh, that you know we we have these parts of us that we don't like, and how how can I fully love the totality of me? Uh, and as long as I have an exiled part of me, I'm not fully embracing the love uh, that I could be offering myself. Because as long as there's one part of me that I'm defining as unlovable, that's not good. Uh, I'm blocking myself. What do you think about that uh, in terms of that uh, blocking of ourselves towards ourselves? Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's more shame stuff, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And it's it's. Um, I mean, why would you di- why would you dismiss yourself again? Right? Like, why would you do that again? And always, as a therapist, the interesting thing to go for is what is the resistance to that? Well, I hate that part of myself well, how come? Well, because he was a loser, right? So you kind of just follow that track down and see what the resistance is so that you can finally get to a place where you can start to acknowledge that 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 kid was just what happened to him or her. That kid is not actually that experience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of those key pieces when, when we were working together is I was in a hotel room somewhere on my little nomadic journey, uh, I can remember the room and I remember us talking and me beginning to share some of my story about the trauma. Um, And it was this interesting, you know, um, phrase that you used was like, tell me more about that right? Uh, I started and just told a little bit, you are like, can you tell me more about that? And it's like the worst question or the fear, most feared question of, <laughs> of a patient with a therapist sometimes like, can you tell me more about that? It's like, oh, crap, I told you what I wanted to tell you to keep you <laughs> satisfied and at bay. And now you want me to dig in even more. Okay, I'll dig in even more. And, and so I remember this moment where you're like, well, on a scale of one to 10, I'd put you at like an eight in terms of trauma. Can you tell me some more? And so begin to tell more. And I'm not sure if you remember that moment. Uh, I and, do. Yeah. And something broke in me in that moment. I just began to cry, ball on the phone. Um, and what was happening for me in that moment was I was doing what you just said. I was finally giving voice to the kid who'd experienced that without trying to minimize it, without trying to laugh it off, without trying to cope with and just raw tell, And I still think that even in that I was still having some protection mode and holding some things as much as I I could be vulnerable in that space. Um, But it gave voice to it. And so I want to say thank you for that gift of being a safe place for me to give voice to that pain. And if people who are watching this or listening to this are really struggling with trying to figure out how to give voice to that, Or to return to themselves, because that was returning for me. It was returning to the exile of the child who'd experienced so much pain that I just couldn't stand being, um, even having that, that part of me in my mind. Uh, what would you give, like, some practical ways that you'd say in the work of returning to oneself and of connecting with that part of us that we've exiled? some like real practical tips. We always try to give some practical tips on the podcast that people can maybe try to apply.
1: Well, I'd certainly start with the questions such as, um, you know, w- what would happen if I allowed myself to talk to that kid?
0: Yeah. Right.
1: right. That's those are, yeah. What would happen if, or what, what am I so afraid that that kid's going to tell me?
0: Mm. Say that again.
1: Or, what am I so afraid that that kid is going to tell me?
0: Wow, yeah. Mhm-.
1: Yeah. What am I so afraid that that kid is going to tell me? Yeah. Or, um, how do I feel towards this kid? Right? Right. How do I feel towards kids in general?
0: Yeah. Wow, that's a profound question. <laughs>
1: yeah. What did what what did I really need and want in that moment or in at that time in my life? What what are the three things I wanted someone to say to me?
0: Hmm. Yeah, you know, those are beautiful questions, and I uh, even as you were asking them, I noticed different responses in my body. Right, and that's one of the things that you've helped me. This is kind of like where do I feel it? How does it make me feel? Man, I couldn't have, just, back in twenty. I couldn't have. 2020 whenever, I couldn't have articulated how I feel. I don't feel so good. I feel bad. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so,
1: I'm hungover.
0: Yeah, I'm hungover. I feel like crap. Um, but to then dig below that and notice how your body is telling you how you feel, right? And the resistance spots and the why of the resistance and what is all that that that, that is trying to lovingly tell you uh, so that you can do a returning to self. That's a beautiful... Um, beautiful way to look at it and to heal in that space. Wow. Lisa, people watching this and listening to this, and maybe their experience with therapists haven't been uh, like mine and hasn't been. Uh, as profound maybe, or whatever their journey has been, uh, but they're looking for somebody to work with that will take approach that is very mindful, uh, that is curious, that honors them and their journey and gets to know them and gets inside of them, and, as, as you described, and they're really looking for somebody to work with like that. And so if they're interested in working with you, uh, how could they get a hold of you? Because I know you do both therapy and coaching. What would be the best way if they were just curious about connecting with you?
1: Yeah, totally. I would love that. They could email me at green, like the color, Lisa, L-I-S-A, 5164 at me, M-E dot com. And just reach out and say that you, you know, witnessed the conversation Jerry and I had and you think you might be a good fit. And I'd be happy to talk to you and see um, if you'd like to move forward.
0: So if you're interested in working with Lisa, you can just go down into the show notes of this episode. You'll find a link there to her email and you can get in touch with her uh, right away or at your own convenience. So Lisa, thank you. Thank you so much for taking your time to be on this episode. I look forward to doing some more with you. Um, you've been such a gift to me. And I know the listeners of this podcast, um, as well, that this episode will be a tremendous gift for them. So thank you. Thank you for being here and showing up as you always do with a hundred percent of who you are. Thank you for that.
1: Thanks, Jerry. I don't, I don't know any other way to show up at this point in my life than who I am. The, all the other, all the other versions didn't work out. so
0: well. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to say it. When all my other versions don't work out. I just show up as me. I just show up as me. Fantastic. Wonderful. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining the Permission to Love podcast. So grateful that you're here and that you took your time to listen. If you haven't had a chance yet, please follow and subscribe. And more importantly than that, please share this episode with somebody that you know could benefit from hearing it. And remember, as always, you are worthy of your own love.